We've mentioned the five levels in many of the most recent podcasts, which are the physical, mental, emotional, energetic, and spiritual levels. And it seems we have given much love to the first four in our discussions, but spiritual seems to get overlooked or mentioned in more of an abstract way. And this was even brought up recently in a question from a listener, where they asked, when are you going to discuss the spiritual level? The answer is, we have. We have in just about every episode, but you may not have noticed because of our varying definitions of what spirituality is. This question of curiosity went on to become the catalyst for another mouth-watering episode and your bi-monthly dose of our ongoing conversation. In this app, Alexander does an excellent job at showing how many of our discussions and actions all go back to our spirituality. He also wanted me to mention that the perspectives we discussed here are not restrictive and there may even be additional views that could add and build upon our discussion here. If you feel you have something to add, feel free to send us an email or join and post on our Facebook group page or the YouTube video of this episode, or join us on our next live event where you can share it within the community that can truly benefit. Now, if you find yourself in overwhelming appreciation and gratitude after listening to this or any of our past episodes, then please consider taking part in our value for value exchange. Give back the value that you receive by sharing our podcast, reviewing us and rating us on iTunes, subscribing and interacting to our social media and YouTube channel, offering any of your skills or services that could assist us in our expansion or support us through the good old fashioned energetic exchange of modern day currency through our patron account. If that interests you, go to wise-wise.com slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. We do offer some behind-the-scenes footage, and we even give you a shout-out on one of our podcast episodes. Whichever way you choose to give back, Alexander and I are in full gratitude. And thank you for listening and sharing these episodes. But now we want you to empty your mind, practice listening, and let's journey. With Aaron and Alexander Uncovering our authentic self Through self-awareness, conscious communication, and emotional responsibility You have found the Wise Wise Podcast Where we discuss some awesome things around self-development Including emotional responsibility, acceptance And today we are going to be talking about spirituality Ah, Hello, everyone. Alexander here with my wonderful co-host, Aaron Keith. And we're looking forward to uh, bringing this subject to the light and how the Just Philosophy looks at this um, subject of spirituality and how it does fit in as we constantly discuss the five different levels of the physical, the mental, the emotional, the energetic, and the spiritual. We wanted to make sure that the spiritual got a big shout-out. So uh, that's our topic of the day. Yeah, I think this can be considered divine timing 
having this subject come up because you and I have been discussing it, but we've we've had a question from one of the listeners around when are we going to start incorporating more spirituality within the podcast? And that was interesting because you and I have also been talking about spirituality outside of the podcast around uh, looking at other people's work and looking at how uh, books are written in which people interpret the books as being spiritual and kind of comparing the writing styles to how we discuss these topics on the podcast. And again, we've been discussing this on our own time. And so it's just ironic how this question has come up and it's been something we've wanted to talk about for a while. So I would love uh, if we can jump into this. And and so Alexander, let's uh, let's talk about the the subject a little more of the question, which is, when are we going to incorporate spirituality uh, more into the podcast? And, and it was a wonderful question that was presented to me uh, just a few weeks ago, and I really enjoyed what that brought up in me in the response. And um, I feel that, you know, I am a very spiritual person and live a very spiritual life, but in that I've started making sure that in my exemplification out here in this world that I want to make sure that I'm exemplifying that fifth level of spiritual as well without encroaching on other people's uh, ways of believing. And this is one thing I want to say right away is this isn't a judgment of anyone else's view of spirituality or what that means. This isn't a podcast to discuss how this view of spirituality is better than any other view. This is just a different view. And how I feel that spirituality is the foundation of this whole philosophy. And that doesn't encringe on anyone's religious beliefs because, once again, the beauty of this process and this philosophy is that it really focuses mainly on the energetic, the emotional, and the mental levels. And this is where so much of our deterioration of the physical body begins and the deterioration of our relationships and communication begin. So I can understand why people feel that maybe we leave some of the spiritual out. And that's what this episode is for, is to really show that it's really at the top and everything falls under that from the premise that almost any issue that you have no matter what that issue is, the way you think, the way you act, the way you talk, the way you look, the pains or discomforts that you have, I want you to consider that the very, very first step is that there is doubt created in the spiritual level. And that doubt is when you question why things are the way that they are or you're experiencing something that you don't want to experience. And so... I break this spirituality down in this language down to two main words. And the two main words are the practice of trust and the practice of faith. That spirituality or most religions, those seem to be the two main aspects that where doubt is created. And once you create doubt at that level, then it seeps into the mental level because you start thinking about it, which activates uh, normally a negative emotional reaction. 
which depletes our energetic field, which weakens the physical body. So this is why it's important, no matter what you're going through physically, to remember that you have all five of these levels, that there is some kind of issue because the physical level is the most dense. So it's had to already be created in these other levels and created an issue for you to be experiencing it in the physical. So I think a lot of wellness can be inspired by whatever you're dealing with out there, people. And we carry the most compassion for whatever your challenge is. But really work to consider starting with where your faith or your trust has been broken and how that is controlling or manipulating your whole mental process, which is directing your emotional reactions and your energy and now your physical body. So that's really what this whole topic is going to be around discussing is how to work with trust and faith and whether you want to call it a spiritual issue or a religious issue that these other levels, the emotional, the energetic, the mental, and the physical, they all have aspects that they carry. And I feel that many times people get a lot of those specifics mixed up in the spiritual. So I think, see, it's not a point that you're more spiritual if you're less emotional. That that doesn't equate, but I think sometimes people look at that like that. No, the emotional is a separate issue from the spiritual. And hopefully that's what some of our discussion today is just going to help clear up for people because it is important that we understand when we're working toward optimal wellness and optimal communication in our relationships, that we do understand what falls under all five of these different uh, levels of our field. So let's first take a step and try to understand where, I guess, the, the majority or the mainstream view of spirituality is coming in on this conversation. So we can try to understand a little more of, of why why that's happening and then we can kind of like redirect down the path of where we feel or the just philosophy uh, feels that spirituality lies and why this podcast talks about it on every episode. So one thing that spirituality has become more of in the last decade or two, maybe maybe even more, maybe before my time, is entertainment. Mm. And I can see this Uh, as well in like the conspiracy movement too, which I was a part of previously. Uh, I I was also, or I dabbled in the spirituality movement as well, where you call yourself spiritual, but you're not really sure why you're just part of like a label Mm -hmm. and you present yourself like that. But in both of these movements, uh, you can see how it's more about just getting the mind activated, stimulating the mind thinking of concepts, but never really going beyond that. Yeah, many times it, a lot of so-called spiritual and even religious uh, doctrine is around conceptual. And that is, is, of course, okay, but getting that, that those concepts is what many times people get into arguments, fights, even wars over. And I want to try, attempt to simplify it here and to... To help people separate what is their religious and um, spiritual actions 
And then what other of these actions are really falling under these other, we'll just call them labels, the physical, the mental, the emotional, the energetic, and the spiritual religious. Uh, We call that the five levels of the field. So one part of that is on the spiritual side where people talk, whether it's about Lemuria or Atlantis, um, bringing aliens into it. Uh, On the religious side, it's, you know, tales and stories from either the Bible or other religious uh, books. And it can be very confusing and um, even uh, disappointing to, to some people that are designed, and we can help, of course, understand this through the human design and the destiny card systems, but that there are people here that's just here to resist systems. And many times they're the way showers of new ways. But a lot of times they will dabble or study many different systems to create that. And one of my favorites in this realm of philosophy is Alan Watts. And he was a practicing Buddhist that was a Christian theologist. And so he taught Christianity all over the world, major colleges, but he was a practicing Buddhist. And when asked about it, he said that, you know, I want to be able to teach that that I question. And I want to be able to teach it in a way that is non-judgmental, but only informative. And I'm too passionate about what I live. So this is theology. This is thinking. So that was his career. And he helped me to bridge the gap between Western uh, mindset and Eastern teachings. And I think he's a great bridge for that. But bringing this back to that these different spiritual languages or sometimes even the books that are written, you know, really utilize uh, the certain phrasing and certain words to attract people. And there's no judgment here once again, but I'm just trying to help people understand the simplification process that I've gone through in developing this uh, just philosophy to put it in there in a way that doesn't put anyone off, no matter what their religious beliefs is, because belief for many people has a lot to do with Uh, religion especially, and with many spiritual people. But belief is very, very confusing. Belief is different from trust. But see, if you have trust and you have faith, then in my view, you don't need belief. Belief may be a pathway to people truly practicing trust and faith. So, This work has been very meticulously designed to not have those variables in it to where there's so many different judgments that's associated. So that's why we work hard to keep the energetic part separate from the emotional part, separate from the spiritual religious part, even separate from the physical and separate from the mental. They all work together, but you can understand each aspect optimally when you understand truly what level it's falling under and how it's directly affecting the levels around it, rather than looping them all together under the term spirituality, so to say. So are you also saying that that the language that you use, you try not to create any friction because you want every single person, no matter what their beliefs, to have like a like a free shot at this where, you know, it's not going to put them off? Yes, because the The main point isn't that I'm scared of altercation, and I've proven that through the past of my life, is that I see very rarely through my experience of life anybody 
ever, as far as I can remember, changing their mind through force or through um, anger or aggravation. Like, I don't see someone change their view by somebody yelling at them, telling them to change their view or that they should or that they better, any of that. But what I have noticed and directly experienced is that when someone is able to voice their opinion, that they have a good feeling is opposite of whoever they're talking to. And that opinion is able to be received. For example, if I happen to have a conversation with an atheist, I am very firm and clear in my belief in God and that divine energy. And I've gone through experiences that can't be explained any other way than divinely. So if that is truly my truth, then I can sit with an atheist that don't believe in God in any way, shape, or form and may even talk down about God and it not bother me. If it bothers me, once again, truth does not need to be defended. Truth stands on its own. When we need to defend, that's when we're defending our truth. (laughs) And we're really defending it to ourselves if we're trying to prove it to someone else. But here's what happens in that scenario that I've seen over and over in my own experience, is that if I'm willing to listen to that atheist without any judgment and show them that I'm very firm and I'm very strong, that I have a different view than you, but I am very open to hearing your side and exactly how you need to express it. That's the person that's more likely to change their opinion slightly or just be willing to ask a question. And on my side, I'm designed to answer people's questions. So that's all I want to do is provide a neutral environment still able to speak my truth without creating friction. And the key is to respect the other person's truth. So this falls back under the three R's, to recognize the person, the place, or the energy, or the situation, to show it respect by not reacting emotionally, and then to redirect the energy into a useful direction. That's the three R's. So in this situation, I see that there's a difference. I recognize that we have a difference of opinion. The next thing is I'm going to show this person respect, whether they show me respect or not. I'm going to show respect because I'm clear in my truth and I don't need it to prove I don't need to prove it to anyone. Then that's the person that I see that when they feel received, where they are almost always rejected or challenged, it makes them want to ask a question eventually. And normally that question is the doorway into some useful information. So yes, we want to, this whole philosophy is discussed and approached in a way that, that we don't need to make a stand. Our example is our stand. And go out every day and set your example by chopping your wood and carrying your water and doing what you feel like is the highest vibration Take less time telling everyone else what they need to be doing and be the example rather than being the teacher. And to me, this may be the most spiritual or religious teaching there is, is lead by example rather than your teaching and your words. And respect is built around that. When people see you follow through with your words, it builds respect. When people see you say one thing and do something else, many times it loses respect. So if you truly want to 
up your spiritual practice, then look at where you truly stand on faith and trust, and then ask yourself how you stand in your own truth, and are you able to be receptive? Because that's what I've seen all the greats do consistently, no matter what the religion or the spiritual path is. They're receptive, and they respect, and I think that goes a long way. I think also when you're having those conversations and you're representing a group or a view or a label, like let's say you're a Christian and you're having that conversation with an atheist, you are representing that that belief system to that person. And so if you sort of offer that openness and that respect to them, they're going to, you know, at the very least take away that not all Christians are whatever their their previous experience has been. Well and so you're kind of like not only representing yourself and your beliefs, but you're also kind of representing that whole belief system when you enter into that conversation. Yeah, and, I, and I think that's huge for you to bring up because it is that. It's, it's how are you exemplifying? And I've seen many people fail at that, that they will defend their religion to the nth degree but then when it comes time to practice faith or trust or uh, compassion, they, they miss the boat. So, so see, even in compassion, because people will bring that into religious and spiritual, that's still an emotional issue. It's, that's still a process of emotions. So if there's anyone out there that you know, feels that we're condensing this spirituality or religious view down too much, Please take time to find the other area that whatever uh, concept or variable that you're coming up with, see if it doesn't fit under another uh, column, so to say, because it's all working together. But this, the, the three steps of exemplification and how are you exemplifying your so-called religion and your so-called or your so-called spiritual path, and then how do you stand when life brings you something that you don't want or you don't like or take something away from you or someone away from you, are you able to practice trust and faith that this is truly for your highest good and everyone's uh, highest good involved, whether you understand it or not, and you have the faith that it is divine timing and that that this is just the the natural makeup, just like a mountain lion killing a gazelle. And being able to maybe carry uh, compassion for that gazelle getting killed, but then utilizing faith and trust that this is nature and we're, we're viewing the wild. And it doesn't have to be that the, the mountain lion is good and the gazelle is bad because it was weaker, you know, and it doesn't have to be vice versa that the mountain lion's bad because it killed a defenseless animal. It can be accepted. And acceptance is a big word in this whole philosophy that it's the very first step to wellness is acceptance. And that acceptance can only be derived, as far as my experience, through the practice of trust and faith. Trusting that life is bringing you what you need at the right time and faith that you will know what to do with it. And many people cripple their spirituality or their religious path by feeling like they're in control, (laughs) feeling like they have constantly got to come up with the answers that they have to fix everything for everybody around them. 
And those are some of the most so-called spiritual and religious people out there that will defend it till their death. But see, they're not practicing faith and trust, or they wouldn't be in that anxiety. I love the saying that urgency is not of spirit. And to realize that any time that you're anxious or any time that you're nervous or any time that you're experiencing much of any emotion, you're not trusting and you're not practicing faith. That doesn't mean, once again, that we're not emotional beings and supposed to go through our emotions. But as I suggest, our emotions have the potential to take us away from our source, whatever that source is, spiritually or uh, religiously. And our emotions take us away from that. Our faith and our trust helps us to work through that so-called negative emotional situation to get back into balance. And that's what this whole philosophy is around. So, I mean, I could easily tell people that this is a spiritual-based philosophy, but they wouldn't understand. So I say this is a five-level philosophy on all five levels. But to me, it's the most spiritual thing that I practice every single day And all of the podcasts and all of the philosophy support those three main things, which is trust, to be able to live in trust, and to be able to live in faith. And the third is non-judgment. And that comes through the practice of faith and trust. And so it's very challenging for a human being to truly be non-judgmental. But faith and trust are two of the tools that will take you there. That if you have faith and trust that everything is in a divine order. This connects to our very first pillar. Find the divine order in the chaos. Or everything's in divine order whether we understand it or not. And this is many times why looking in the past is more like 2020 vision. Because time gives us the the clarity outside of our emotional reaction. So I was just laughing a little bit over here when you said pillar one because that was the big buildup and I was going to bring that in because <laughs> I was I was like, okay, he's talking about some stuff, but we haven't gotten to the big unveiling because that is what, what you know, people who have uh, listened to this podcast throughout many of the episodes, they're going to know that. They're going to know pillar one. Um, and then be like, oh, okay, now I get it. Whenever we talk about Pillar 1, we're talking about spirituality. But let's just take a step back before getting into a lot of that meat. I wanted to share an experience that I had growing into this and when I thought I was spiritual and how and what I got mixed up as spiritual. So I had a dream when I was younger where I felt this overwhelming joy and unconditional love in the dream. And when I woke up, I, you know, I like real life was nothing compared to this. I just wanted to go back. I'm sure a lot of people have had these, these types of experiences. And then I spent many of my twenties trying to find something to replicate that feeling. And it wasn't until I found uh, a band that plays space rock that I was able to to simulate that experience while I listened to it, but it was only for a limited time. Mm-hmm. And looking back on that, 
and within this conversation, I could see that what I was feeling wasn't, I mean, it could be some sort of unconditional love, but it was most likely this hope and yearning for a better, a better future for myself, for humanity, and trying to avoid disappointment of current life. And it's, it's a feeling that's very future focused and not grounded and not in the now. Mm-hmm. And so I can't say that it's unconditional love, but it's a feeling of like wanting everybody to just be loved wanting wanting everybody to, you know, be happy. But it is a very yearning type of energy, which, you know, I grew up in my teens. I was a very yearning individual. Um, so it was it's a very addicting. And I see this sort of yearning in the conversations that we talked about in the books that are labeled spirituality, talking about the aliens coming down to save us, talking about looking for anything external to make our lives better. And I think that's where I see many people coming from that perspective uh, when they label things as spiritual nowadays. And, Mm -hmm. And I think bringing that kind of perspective in you can see how people may not see the spiritual in in how we're discussing it, right? Yeah, well said. And, you know, and I want to bring a kind of comparison here to to hope and trust. And that many times hope can leave room open for disappointment. And it's very, very close to expectations is hope. But the purest form of hope is very, very similar to trust, that as soon as you hope, you release the outcome. It's very similar to setting an intention. And I think that most people confuse uh, hope with expectations. And so trust in its more pure form, uh, you know, it's a whole other podcast, but I've touched on it before that in my own practice, I don't look to trust people or whether to trust people or not. I have practiced to trust the divine and to trust my life as it unfolds. And being a generator uh, in the human design, you know, I'm designed to respond. All generators are. And I used to be caught up into the creation part and the manifestation. And, of course, there's plenty of that language out there. But this philosophy focuses on the, the fact of polarity and that this is the plane of polarity, and polarity means that you can't have one thing without having the exact opposite. But we were given the free will of what to focus on, and and that's where our power really is, is on that focus. So, see, the trust is when you when you shift that from people to the divine and to the life, and that like, well, this person said that they could get me a job where they were working, and then I went for the interview, and then I didn't get the job. So I can't trust that person. Maybe that energy can be shifted from trusting the person that it was an opportunity. You went and interacted, and your higher self or the divine didn't see that as a good fit for you. So it can be a blessing as well. So this is where it helps to see that if you work on your true religious Uh, path or your true spiritual path and you practice these three things that was mentioned to truly practice trust and to truly practice um, faith and you choose to live in non-judgment another tool for non-judgment is that you utilize one of the other pillars that every person or every situation that you come in contact with has something to teach you so 
the way one of the ways to stay out of non-judgment is through seeing everyone and everything as a teacher. They're either teaching you what to do or what not to do. And if they're exemplifying and teaching you what not to do, you don't need to correct them because that's another practice in trust, that if it was your job to correct them, they would ask you a question more than likely. Because remember when I was talking earlier about think about if somebody comes up to you and pushes you physically and tells you to listen to them. (laughs) Just imagine how open that you really think that you're going to be. And that's what happens energetically. Anytime somebody wants to force their opinion on someone, it's an energetic push. And although we can't see it, no one likes getting energetically pushed. So they're pushed by the energy coming into the room first, and then they're told verbally that they're thinking about it wrong or doing it wrong. They should be doing it in another way. And I just don't see people's faces absorb and change in that kind of environment. So, so breaking this down in this simplistic manner is hopefully really helping people to take the focus on off of many of the variables and really simplify this so-called religious and spiritual practice. And if belief is involved in your religious practice, which it is in many religious practices and spirituality, then continue practicing that belief too. I'm not saying that these things are better than your belief. I'm just not incorporating belief into this philosophy. But add your belief to it if that's your spirituality or religion and just practice faith and trust and your belief in non-judgment. Because if you're in non-judgment, you're going to be learning almost always. And, uh, and I think that'll take people a long way down the so-called spiritual or religious path. Yeah, I can kind of see how belief may be the word may represent to some people that they think that exists. But then there's a lack of follow-through almost where they don't need to take any more action. Like, they don't need to exemplify. Where, you know, I, I don't know. Do you, do you see that in that word? Well, I think that most people feel that they do their best, and many religions let people off the hook for that. Um, that... That they're emotional beings and you're going to fail, you're not perfect, and that is fine and dandy, but you can do better every day. You can work to do better, and I think that that's, um, you know, that's very misunderstood in a lot of religions and possibly even spiritual paths that you do still have to show up and chop your wood and carry your water to get better at anything, and yes, we can utilize external influences like we utilize the the human design and the destiny card system, and that's connected to the planets and our cosmic makeup of when we're born, we have a DNA make makeup from our birth parents. And when we're born, we have a cosmic makeup due to the alignment of the planets when we come in. The cosmic makeup defines our energetic makeup, and much of the DNA defines our physical makeup. So looking at this all together is the overall view, and this is why I say in my private sessions, when somebody can share with me their environment that they grew up in, they give me their birth information so I know their cosmic makeup, and then they're able to share just a few of their traumas that they went through. I can help them understand why that environment affected them differently than all of their other siblings. And see, information can help with trust and faith. 
when somebody gets out of victimhood and feels like life's just against them or God's against them or or whatever, and they had it harder and got beat on more than their sibling or anything like that, that victim mentality is such a downward spiral to where if you can understand that this environment was more harsh for you because of your more empathic makeup, and therefore you were taking on more energies and holding on to more grudges than your siblings. See, that can free a person from thinking that there's something wrong with them. And I'm so exhausted and heartbroken from people that walk this plane thinking that something's wrong with them, when normally it's just a cosmic part of their makeup that their environment and their family didn't know how to support. And that's what this work is about, is bringing people back to their authentic selves, learning to manage the emotions. So when you reach that God spot or that religious or spiritual experience, that you can actually hold on to it for a long period of time and nurture it every day, and that becomes the so-called spiritual practice. Well, we are talking about spirituality and religion or, re- or being religious, faith, trust, So I wanted to bring in sin because it's something that just came to mind when you were just talking about that, where you were, you were talking about somebody taking a a victimhood mentality and like, would that be considered a sin within spirituality or within uh, the just philosophy and how we talk about sin? Well, this is another sketchy topic and we will tread lightly because um, I'm not speaking in any absolutes and I want to respect every different sect of religion or spiritual path and their views of sin. and But we'll just look at this as like an add-on to whatever a person believes sin is. I'm not trying to change anyone's mind, but this was one of my major issues uh, being raised primitive Baptist or going to either Southern Baptist or Baptist churches was the subject of sin. And um, it was just very confusing for me, and I had multiple uh, pastors to attempt to explain it to me, and even deacons and family members, uh, and it just never clicked. And then one day, I was talking with a gentleman that I can honestly say I don't even remember who it was, and this may be in, uh, may have even been a homeless person on the street. But one day. I, the topic of sin came up, and I showed that confusion, and they, in very much comfort, showed a lot of peace, and they go, oh, sin's very simple. And I said, oh, really? And he said, yeah, sin is anything that takes you off your path once you set an intention, a pure intention. And with him just saying that, a sin is anything that takes you off your path, it melted me. <laughs> It makes me want to cry right now because it was such a defining moment in my life of something that I had struggled with, and it just changed everything for me. And so explaining my view a little more of that is that understanding that if I set an intention that I'm going to eat cleaner, I'm going to not eat sugar or not eat dairy or whatever the change is, that I prepare for life to challenge me in that, not because it's against me, but to see if I'm going to build the energy to create a pulse strong enough to continue with this to make a change because change is activated at three weeks. It takes three weeks to break or to um, make a pattern. But three months starts to develop a lifestyle 
And so then it's more than a pattern. And in three years, it is a lifestyle. So working with that becomes very, very important in why I say the term chop wood and carry water every day, because it's the consistent effort that just constantly goes into it that you're really going to see the effects. So whatever you're going to practice, practice every day. So so when that came so clear to me, and I decided that I wanted to be of service to people and that I was going to study every level of metaphysics that I could get my hand on. And back then it was spirituality too, but it was really the study of metaphysics. And I just wanted to be useful to people. Then I saw that once I got on that path, I had family members, I had friends, I had many people that tried to tell me I was going down the wrong path. I had many people that was trying to to help me to not question our um, medical direction, not to question the government, all these kinds of things. And I could feel that pull because I wanted to relate. I wanted to be liked. I didn't want to just be weird just to be weird. But everything that I was learning was filling my soul. And so I stayed on that track and every relationship that would come in, I would, I would, communicate as well as I can. Hey, the self-development stuff and studying metaphysical uh, ways of healing the physical body and all these different levels is like really what I'm into. And if you're not into that, then we're going to be limited in our connection, our communication Because This is my jam, so to say. And so people would come and go and then some people would stick with me. And now uh, even Aaron and I now have been together for I think over five years now It's right at it. And that consistency has been there. And there was something that I said, you know, that activated that level of interest in Aaron. And, and this was something with a gentleman, like I said, that I can't even remember who it was, but changed my whole understanding of sin and understand, yeah, thou shalt not kill. And many of the other ones that's around that, that I still have an understanding of and still practice. But Using that to stay away from guilt, to stay away from anger, to stay away from frustration. And what it taught me was this is what will help keep you out of your emotional reactions. It's not the point of being inflexible. I'm not saying that you say I'm doing this and everybody can suck it. That's not what I'm saying. (laughs) You may take it to that extreme and maybe I did take it to that extreme at one point. But the thing is, is that most people don't know the three main questions And those are, who are you, what do you do, or what are you passionate about, and then how do you exemplify that? And the more clear that a person gets on those three questions, the more clear they will get on understanding sin, understanding relating, understanding relationships, understanding communication, because you have a baseline. And when, when I became Alexander and left Scott behind, because Scott was my, my first name and Alexander was my middle name, and in my mid to late 30s is when I made that shift to start using Alexander. And now I resonate completely different to Scott than I do Alexander. So I'm very clear with people, even if they try to shorten my name to Alex, I do my best to be kind and say it in a way of, please use my whole name. I like the power of the whole name. And that's why who are you is so important. What do you resonate with with who you're called and how many associations do you have to that name? That's very important because associations are energy drains. And then that next step of 
the what do you do or what are you passionate about? For me, it's helping raise people's consciousness, deepen their uh, intimate relationships through communication and wellness on all five levels. That's what I do every day. Okay, how do you exemplify that? Well, I hold sound journeys. I see private clients. I design and sell vibrational sound tables. I give talks, seminars. And so, see, when you're able to answer those three questions, that puts a stake deep into the ground. And then moving forward in your life, you're very clear on what's a sin because is it helping me to get more of these three things and a deeper level of understanding, or is it taking me away and distracting me from that? And this is my, you know, my heart goes out to all of you out there in relationships or that are doing your best. But if you don't know who you are clearly and what you are passionate about and what you exemplify on a daily basis, it's going to be very hard for you to understand from from this view, the concept of sin or the concept of conscious communication and conscious relating. So maybe an example that many people can resonate with, uh, either maybe they did this in their youth or some point in their life or they had a friend do it, is sometimes we, we date the wrong people and we kind of know it, but we're attracted to something in these people, but then it never ends up working out. But then we go and find the same type of person or we know somebody who does this. Mm-hmm. And we may even talk to them and be like, I think you're dating the wrong type of people. Maybe you'd be better suited with this type of person or maybe this type of trait isn't working for you. And they may even agree on some level and they may know it and acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> they, they may go out and, and do it again. And I think once you know and acknowledge and then you do it, that would be where the the sin we're talking about comes in. But but if you don't know it yet, is that still a sin? Right, exactly. Because if you don't know what your path is, then, you know, something taking you off that path, there's nothing so-called wrong with it or sinful about it. But if a person is looking to be, you know, uh, say that they want to see things as clearly as they possibly can and they want to be less emotional reactive and they normally drink, you know, anywhere from two to six beers a night. You know, if those are if that's what they want, they are going to lighten up on the drinking because many times drinking exacerbates all of that and creates more confusion and blah, blah, blah. So that's why uh, the the things that are connected to our path is very, very important. And, you know, and for people with children, you know, that to me is the most important thing. You know, once children are brought into this world and it's tough for people because they're still trying to chase their career, heal heal their relationships from their mother and father or siblings and and then working 40 to 60 hours a week. I mean, it's just it's it's just so much. And so so this hopefully this conversation is helping once again to simplify things to help people bring around that maybe they're frustrated in their relationship and maybe you're even considering leaving the relationship or not even being in a relationship but what i want to say to all of you is just get clear on your three questions who are you what are you about or what do you have passion for and then how do you exemplify that on a daily basis And when you can get to the point of exemplifying what you're passionate about, see, I'm not talking about necessarily what you do to make your living. 
And normally when people are asked, what do you do? That's what they answer with is, is what they do for their living. No, what you do is what you do outside of the things that you have to do out of responsibility. And then, then what do you do when you just have time? Call it your hobby, your passion, whatever it is. And then are you exemplifying that passion every day? If not, you're probably going towards depression. You know, so work whatever job you got to work. You don't have to work your passion. There's many people out there that I have ran across that are perfectly content with their job because they don't judge it. It's just that. It's just a way for me to make living, make a living to pay for my kids or my place to live. And then on my free time, I do this over here. And for some people, that eventually becomes the way they make their money. But guess what? It changes that. When you do what you're passionate for and then that becomes how you make a living, it changes that passion. But you can, you can help regulate that change or you can just do something to, to make money and have a job and then feel better about, no, this is really what I'm about over here. And for instance, during my 20s, when I started practicing some of this philosophy, when people would ask me what I did at the time, I worked a part-time job and I played in full-time bands. And when I was asked what I did and I would say a musician, they'd say, oh, really, you pay your bills by being a musician? I'll say, well, no, I have a job to pay my bills, but this is what I do. And, you know, if they're interested in my job and how I pay my bills, they're normally looking to size you up. Why wouldn't you be interested, more interested in what I'm passionate about over here? So, see, that becomes a good step to, to kind of weed through people that are, are judgmental and are setting you up for certain um, emotional situations by whether they're more interested in talking about what you do and what you're passionate about or how you make your money. So I did want to mention that you talked about the, the three questions uh, to help you discover your authentic self. We did do an episode on that several months ago. As always, any episodes or topics that we discuss in this podcast, I leave uh, relevant episodes that will expand on it in the show notes. So if that's something that you're interested in expanding more upon and hearing us uh, have a whole episode on, uh, definitely check that episode out. It will be there linked. Now, Alexander, I wanted to ask you, so since we're simplifying what spirituality is, could it be uh, simplified to knowing, doing the three-question exercise and, and knowing and exemplifying who you are, what you're about, and then trusting and having faith, trusting the, the divine, and then faith is how you're going about your life and the experiences that you're having, they're ultimately leading to something that you're supposed to fulfill? Is that how you see it? Or not necessarily supposed to fulfill, but here to experience. And I think some people put a big pressure. I know I felt a big pull of pressure that was something that I was supposed to complete. And in the human design, this is your GPS system, whether it's activated or not. It's uh, in the middle and it's a diamond shape. And those with it activated, normally they do have a pull to accomplish something in this world, but most time they don't know what it is. And Many people for with the white, they can feel guilty because they don't necessarily have a pull. And there's nothing wrong with that. They they have a different type of experience to go on here. So so I think that, you know, however someone is experiencing that practicing the, the trust and the faith is seeing that a door closing or a no 
is just as meaningful and beautiful as a yes and being accepted. And this is why ego plays such a big part in this, because most people look at no's as a rejection, and many people have rejection issues. When in order to get to your yes, you may have to go through 10 no's to get to that yes. And being a generator, I think sometimes we can grasp this concept a little bit better because generators optimally work through process of elimination. So we know what we don't like and are able to vocalize that to get to what we do like. This can be frustrating for people around us, but it's not negative. We're not judging the no or the turn down as a rejection or bad. We're just going, do you want to eat uh, Chinese? No. Do you want Italian? No. Do you want Mexican? No. Do you want Ethiopian? Yes. Well, why didn't you just tell me you wanted Ethiopian? Well, I didn't know until you said it because I'm designed to respond. So, so see, we can be seen as the negative Nellies, so to say, but that's because the other person is taking it as rejection. So I work to inform the people around me, when you're asking me a question and you're helping me to decide the answer, then don't stay attached to the options that you're giving me because I'm not judging the response on your response. It's how that your response makes me feel. So I tried to help people to look at don't be so invested in your opinion that you're giving to me because I don't know what I'm going to resonate with. And see, that's a very different approach than most people approach this world at. But it takes a lot of the pressure off of you. And I, I could have never created what I do for a living right now and all the different aspects. I didn't even know it existed in my 20s or 30s. So this has all been, you know, just part of my example is showing an alternative way to make a living, to be of service of people, to live your life. And and that's what I work to to exemplify and is part of my third question in the exemplification. One quote that I've heard a lot is God's rejection is your protection. Mm. That's just something I always remember. Um, and one thing you've mentioned to me before is uh, people who get headaches a lot of times they can be related to rejection, right? Mm, yes, yes. So it's uh, so nice of you to bring that up because this is something that we don't we we mention a, a good bit on the podcast, but we haven't gotten into specific body parts and doing a, a dissection of that. But yes, many many times I've worked with multiple clients and and friends and family members that have migraine headaches. And I even worked with somebody that had dealt with them for 13 years, almost um, weekly or almost daily. And we got it down that it was the rejection from her father. And her father happened to uh, die in her arms when she was 19. And she never got her father's approval because he was a very masculine uh, type of father. And he approached pointing out all the things that she didn't do right rather than the things that she did good. And through working on the acceptance and the processing of that, her migraines went away for over eight months. We were in contact at that point in time, and she didn't have an episode. And And so that's why the emotions are so important to discomfort and pain. And to see that rejection is something that keeps people in fear, and it keeps them separated from those two main aspects of trust and faith and under the spiritual umbrella and uh, makes it almost impossible to stay in non-judgment. So 
So I hope that all of this that we're sharing and describing, you know, is really coming together as a whole to take some of the weight off of you beautiful people and to understand that we're not judging or comparing in any way but to show contrasts. And, um, you know, if your way is working for you, like I said, uh, keep chopping that wood and carrying that water. But hopefully what we've shared today will help expand whatever that belief system is. Just quickly getting back to the three uh, questions of finding your authentic self, what would you say to somebody who couldn't answer what do they do or what are they about? Well, that's why I mentioned the other word, and I started bringing this in more, uh, like what are you passionate about? And many times people will be passionate about a cause, and they may get confused their passion for aggravation. And so this aggravates me over here. And aggravation is different from passion. And so passion is something that I want people to to be able to decipher, to get to. When you think about it, when you talk about it, you light up. That, that people can actually recognize that it raises your vibration. So see, many times people will pick something that they're passionate about, but they will talk about what's against their passion almost the whole time. So, so to me, that's not practicing passion. And then that's why the number three is so important. Like, okay, how do you exemplify this passion? What do you do to experience this every day? And if the answer is, well, I don't, why? Why would you not do or talk about every day what lights you up in this world, no matter how ignorant you are of it, no, no matter how much you have to learn? So I think that that second question of what do you do or what are you passionate about is the very first step is that you see that maybe on a conceptual level, I really enjoy talking about this subject, but you haven't made that decision yet in your life to actually bring it into your life daily and find a way for you to experience this passion now rather than just talk about it. So that first step is to find something you're passionate about to just talk about daily to different people, expand your connections, and then eventually work to see how can I incorporate actually to be part or active in this passion, and that's what I call the example. So for me, the latest, uh, you know, interest of mine, the first so-called real-world interest is uh, vinyl album collecting and getting back into turntables and vintage uh, stereo equipment and hearing and listening to music in the most optimal way to have the most in-depth experience I've ever had. And I have to say that, you know, I don't have many people right now, I don't know anyone else that owns a record player or is into collecting vintage albums and equipment, that kind of thing. So this has been you know, just fun and interesting for me to, to develop an external passion because my passions have all been internally directed for so long. And I enjoy seeing other people be surprised by me being like into this thing, but it still takes, all it is is a management thing. But what it reminds me of is like, I just want to go up to people and go, hey, what do you enjoy playing with? I'll share with you if you'll share with me. Almost that like childlike spirit again to where it's not all internal dissection and and contemplative discussions that is something that some people would see as mundane and possibly even a waste of money but it's still playful 
And so, so that's the most recent one of me bringing in to the physical world side of something that I could be passionate about that I'm able to manage uh, because it's, it is a monetary thing and that there's a, a seek and find. And because I like and enjoy finding old albums in the wild, it's called, because, see, there's only a certain amount of albums that's ever made. And then they do reproductions and that kind of thing. So when you find certain ones, it's like finding a treasure. And like anything, you can take it too far. But I haven't had that sense of excitement in the world in a long time from finding like an original pressing of the Beatles or the Doors or somebody that I really respect or even Ravi Shankar when I found some Ravi Shankar uh, Indian uh, classical sitar music, you know, that blew me away that I could listen to that on vinyl and so it's just been a, a beautiful growth, but that's what I want to bring back around to that second one is it is that passion, you know, find something to be passionate about, manage it at the same time, don't let it get out of control, and then be playful with it and enjoy talking about it with other people. Yeah, earlier you mentioned depression in the same breath as that, and and I thought that was very important because I could see how somebody who couldn't answer this question because maybe they work a job that they don't like and they come home and and they just watch TV and then they go to bed and they do it all over again how that mundane routine and not not judging because some people could be completely happy in that mm-hmm. but that lifestyle could lead to depression because there's no spark there's right. no passion there's no uh you mentioned childlike feeding the child there's yeah. no creativity in that as well. And, and so I want to bring that in too, because that can help to break up the, the depression if somebody is experiencing that, but maybe talk about that. Yeah. I think that, you know, it's just, a uh, following your passion is very similar to supplementation, taking supplements. And if you do follow it to any extent and you dabble with it every day, it's going to feed your soul. I call it soul food. And you see that if you take care of all the other levels and you're doing everything that you're supposed to, but you don't have anything that you're interacting with daily passionate. And I want to even say to people with children, you know, to to take a breath, to take a step back. First of all, thank you for doing as good as you do every day, day in and day out. But many times we lose the passion in raising children. We We take on responsibilities and we let the responsibility overcome the passion the appreciation, the gratitude, because that's what's connected to passion is that appreciation, that gratitude. Even if I get to do it for just five minutes today, you know, I just, I just want to do this every day. And so now one of my favorite things in the morning is to get up and after my meditation working out is to like, listen to, um, some music on on vinyl and to go through that whole process. And when I drink coffee, I enjoy the French press and the slow process of it. So, so it's kind of like that investment and whatever you're passionate about, you shouldn't mind doing the mundane things to create the opportunity for the full experience. And so sometimes I go out and I will uh, go looking in the wild out there at uh, used record stores and I might go to two or three and leave not buying anything um, because I'm not doing it just to do it. I truly want to feel that passion and that, wow, I can't believe it. I found this. And some people are going to buy something everywhere that they go. And so that's just a a different approach. But I think that, yes, that depression is if you're not feeding your passion, eventually the soul gets very hungry. And although you're taking care of all of these other levels, 
uh, bring this back under the spiritual level, that passion may be directly connected to that spiritual soul food, so to say. So I'm not saying that as a definite, but consider that. Consider that passion and that come up in this discussion for a reason. And if you're feeling down, you feel like you're going in a spiral, ignite some passion. There's a cause, there's a person, there's an animal, there's a, a an action, there's a sport, there's something. And if you don't know what that is, go back to when you were a child. What did you do when you didn't have to think about doing something? And go do that. If it's ride a bicycle, consider go buying a used bicycle at a yard sale and just riding around your yard and being childlike again. This is very, very important, and I think we should probably expand on it on a on a whole podcast more than. Yeah, likely. I agree. And and if you are feeling that downness, I was thinking may, maybe you're not being spirit. You're not acting out your your spirituality. You're not trusting. Maybe there's a sign that you've missed, and now, even though you didn't know it, mm-hmm. um, you're you've you're being led off your path. And you need to find that path, whatever that is. And so I hope we've done a great job. I think we have done a great job at uh, at showing how the work is spiritual. Mm-hmm. And, and many of the things we talk about, discuss, live, uh, exemplify is all leading to living a, a very spiritual life, celebrating. Because I, I did want to come in here and in closing say that, you know, it's directly connected that when I am practicing emotional management or adjusting my energetic field, or changing my thought patterns, or putting myself, my body, not in compromising positions. See, all of that falls under spirituality to me, because that's working on myself as a whole to make me myself a better person. And that, to me, is what spirituality is about, is to be the optimal you that you can be while receiving everyone exactly where they are. And... In a way, you talk about metaphysics also falling under spirituality. By doing that, you're raising your vibration, which is emanating out, and that energy is is moving and is affecting everybody around you, So, and it's raising them up. Yes. Um, so, so that's why if you want to help those around you, work on yourself. Yeah, very well said. Be the so, example. So great episode. Uh, glad you all could listen, and stay tuned for our three minutes of stillness. Much love.
We appreciate your interest in self-growth, conscious communication, and continuing to ask the wise wise. And remember, gradual changes over long periods of time equals lasting results. The Just Philosophy, as discussed in this podcast, has been developed by Alexander over the last 22 years in his private practice, professional environment, and private studies. The information discussed is intended for educational purposes only. It is not meant as a replacement for conventional medicine. Just remember, knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. Seek the wise. As we continue sharing this information, there are also multiple ways to share and support this work. Gain access to our exclusive content, behind-the-scenes footage, and other products that assist you on your self-awareness journey by joining our patron team in exchange for a monetary donation by visiting wise-wise.com slash patron. That is wise-whys.com slash p-a-t-r-e-o-n. Another way of support is by sharing this podcast with receptive individuals or even leaving a review on popular platforms such as iTunes or Facebook helps us introduce this work to others through the listener's words. We are also on most major social networks, so follow us along there or even join our Facebook group community. Continue your journey by visiting Alexander's website where you are able to book private consultations in person, by phone, or even Skype. Know thyself better with human design and destiny card reports and readings as mentioned in this podcast. View a calendar of his live performances and class schedule. Peruse his other products such as shirts, CDs, and the revolutionary VibroTune sound vibrational therapy tables that assist with subtle energy alignments. So grab that keyboard and go to thejustphilosophy.com for those goodies. That's T-H-E-J-U-S-T-P-H-I-L-O-S-O-P-H-Y.com. And if you love the touch of a soft shirt with a message that will warm your heart in resonation, then check out my company, Verities Apparel, where I am a one-man band doing it all from design to physically printing the garment and sealing it all with a conscious touch. Just go to veritiesapparel.com, V-E-R-I-T-E-E-S-A-P-P-A-R-E-L.com. Thank you all for being a part of this journey with us.